I'm so glad you're here this morning. Those of you who are part of the Third Church family know that this is my favorite worship service of the whole year. I go to a lot of church services. And this is my favorite. Because this one has not been tainted by culture. It's really about the goodness of God and his faithfulness to us. And I just appreciate that you've taken time to be here for a few minutes with other members of the body of Christ. So thank you. I'm really, I'm, I'm, you know, I hate to preach, but I'm excited about this morning. I, I want to walk you through gratitude, and I'm just so excited that what the Lord might want to give to us. What I've experienced in the series on Ecclesiastes, which we've done together, our, our guests, we've been doing this for now for 13 weeks, when I, as I've been in the text of Ecclesiastes, I've been just struck by the magnificence of our God. In the midst of all that the text talks about, God is so preeminent. And I would like to just celebrate on this Thanksgiving Day more than all the gifts that we're grateful for. The giver of the gifts. And so in light at light, I, I've written a couple brief little prayers. And I'm going to just pray those over us to just kind of move us, I hope, by the Spirit into a place of preparation. So would you pray with me again, please? We thank you, Lord our God, for the gifts of this day, for all that you have seen too that we have not seen, for all you have worked on, Lord, that we have not known, for you have shielded us from that we know nothing about, that we have no regard for, that you protected us from. Thank you, Lord, for your watchful, tender gaze that brings life and goodness in our days. Thank you, Lord, for guarding and watching our way. God, in your majesty, you made all that is seen and unseen. God, in your strength, you sustain the course of the earth the balance of its access, you tend the systems of nature with delicate precision. God, in your greatness, you provided a savior to remove the evil from your sight, to rescue us from darkness, to bring us into light, to restore all that is ruined within and without. God, in your love, you've granted us your Holy Spirit to guide, to teach, to convict, to encourage, to comfort, to empower, to heal. We thank you, Lord God. How majestic is your name in all the earth. God, you've done great things for us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your peace. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us truth. Thank you, Lord, for shedding light on our paths. Thank you, Lord, for leading us out of darkness. Thank you for your holy love. Thank you for this day where we gather to give thanks. Amen. Thank you for praying with me. May I slide number two, please, Sherry? This is going to set us up a little bit. I used this several weeks ago on our series on Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. 
And I wrote, said this then, and I'm going to say it again this morning. Christian living collapses when we are not delighted with the good, simple, and daily gifts we receive from our Creator. And then I added this line. Grumpiness carries more influence than gratitude. Is that true for anybody else? Christian living collapses when we lose sight of the good and the small and the simple gifts that God gives us. Well, I wonder if you think I'm just kind of blowing smoke at you this morning. So can I bring an expert to the stand? How about Brene Brown? Listen to this video. Listen to her talk about the importance of gratitude. Would you watch, please? I think the relationship between joy and gratitude was one of the most important things I found, I found in the research. Um, I wasn't expecting it. Um, but what I found, you know, 12 years of research, um, 11,000 pieces of data, I, ha I did not interview in all that time a person who would describe themselves as joyful or describe their lives as joyous who did not actively practice gratitude. Um, and for me, it was very counterintuitive because I kind of went into the research thinking that the relationship between joy and gratitude was, if you're joyful, then you should be grateful. But it wasn't that way at all. It was really that practicing gratitude invites joy into our lives. And when I say practice, I think this is, this is the part that really changed my life. It changed my family and the way we live every day. When I say practice gratitude, I don't mean kind of like the attitude of gratitude or feeling grateful. I mean practicing gratitude. These folks shared in common a tangible gratitude practice. They either kept gratitude journals. Um, some of them did interesting things like at 1, 2, 3, 4, like at 12, 34 every day. They said something out loud that they were grateful for. They, um, one of the things that we do, like we say grace at dinner. And so now after grace, we go around and everyone in my family says something they're grateful for. I mean, and what's interesting is when we first started, I have um, a first grader, a first grade son, Charlie, and eighth grade daughter, Ellen. And at first I thought, and we've been doing it for a couple of years now, like they're going to like, oh God, mom. And it, there was a little like, this is, you know, are you experimenting on us? <laughs> there was a little bit of that. But now what's interesting, even after we did it for like a couple of weeks, that on those crazy busy nights where we're trying to like get to soccer and piano and homework and Steve and I are just like, we say a quick prayer and we start eating and my kids are like, whoa, what are you grateful for? And it's been extraordinary because not only absolutely does it invite more joy into our house, um, it also is such a soulful window into what's going on in my kids' lives. You know, so there are some days where my eighth grader will be like, I'm joyful that there's a huge thick wall between my room and my brother's room. You know, something just very, you know, honest. But there are other days she'll say, you know, she had a friend whose mother recently died. Um, and she said, you know, for a month she would say, I'm just so grateful that y'all are healthy right now. You know, and so not only did it make us all more aware of what we had and more willing to slow down and really be thankful for the joyful moments we had, but it let me know where she was emotionally in her life. You know, and my son is, is always, you know, I'm grateful for bugs, I'm grateful for frogs, but sometimes he'll say, you know, I'm grateful that you picked me up early, or, you know, I'm grateful that I finally understand adjectives, <laughs> you know? So it's, there's a great quote um, that says, it's not, it's not joy that makes us grateful, it's gratitude that makes us joyful. And 
Um, it's by a Jesuit brother, a Jesuit priest. And I guess I was just amazed to find that bubble up so strongly in the research. It's life-changing. You saw grumpiness has more influence than gratitude. So I want to remind you, for our guests, we went through Ecclesiastes for these 13 weeks. I want to take you back to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And I'm going to read, I want you to read with me. I want you to see the seasons of life that are described. And then the very, in, you heard she said, the very intentional way to express gratitude. So would you open your Bibles, please, to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And if you're, uh, remember, congregation, we had Alan and team sang the song from the birds, turn, 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 back in the day. Well, this is the passage from which that song came. So I'm going to read chapter 3, and I'm going to read first 1 through, set, through, one through 9, and here are descriptions of the human life and experience. That's what chapter 3, first nine verses is about. It's just about the fullness of life in all the parts of it. So look, listen to the text, Ecclesiastes 3. There is a time, a season, appropriate time for everything, and a season for every activity under the heavens. Now, here's the whole list. These are all the experiences we have as humans. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Then a question, what do workers, what do people experience from their toil? All the things we just read about. He's seen, I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race, which is all the experiences we just read about. But now he talks about how we can intentionally experience gratitude. He has made everything, God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He has made everything beautiful in its time. What does that mean? Can you look up for a second? So think about something like a flower. There is, when the flower is at its most precious and beautiful moment, it is incredibly beautiful. As we look at each other, we can observe in each other beauty because we are created in the image of God. As we see this, we see something God creates that is beautiful. And then the text goes on and says, he said eternity in the human hearts. And this is why I said weeks, multiple times in previous weeks. Let me say it one more time. The hurts, the pains, the losses, the tragedies of life are intended to make us homesick for God. And the simple pleasures of life are intended to make us homesick for God. But where? Let me say it again, different way. The losses, the pains, the tragedies of life are intended to make us, watch now, homesick for heaven. And the pleasures and the joys, even the simple ones, are intended to give a forecast and give us a longing for heaven. He has placed eternity in our hearts. I'll say this carefully, but adults, you follow me? The idea of sexual union fundamentally is a longing for intimacy with God. 
There are simple pleasures of this life that we experience that are beautiful, but they are eternal in their long-term implications. And God is putting these things to us so that we long for eternity. So you remember back in the day in the series when I said it is better to go to a funeral than to a birth? Why? Because when we go to funerals, we get to be reminded of what life is all about. Fundamentally, we know this, we're all going to die. So the sentence over the previous weeks is we want to embrace our death honestly so that we can choose to live intentionally so that we can flourish in love. God has placed eternity in our hearts, all of us, for a deeper and farther longing. The text goes on. He says, no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And this is where the idea of fear and reverence begins to enter the text of Ecclesiastes. He says, I know there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. In verse 13, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction or contentment in all their toil. This is the gift of God. Now, look, stay with me, 13. That each of them may eat and drink and find contentment. So what I've been trying to say for our congregation for these past 13 weeks is, it is in the simple meal with the people we love. It is, if you are appropriate, a glass of wine with people you love. It is opportunities to have relationships, deep conversations with the people you love. This is what brings satisfaction and puts a contentment in our hearts. And it says, it's a gift from God. So the phrase I used was, all is gift, not gain. Life is a gift. The simple pleasures which create contentment and satisfaction are simple gifts. To look in someone's eye that you love and care about and look into their eyes and you're looking into their hearts. And as we begin to do that, these simple things begin to put release something within us. Are you following me this morning okay? You all want to eat turkey. All right. Let's keep her moving then. Come on, here we go. 14. He says, I know that everything God does will endure forever, ever, and nothing can be added to it, and nothing can be taken, taken from it. God does this so that people will fear him. And I told you this, in Ecclesiastes, the word fear can also be translated worship. So over and over, he's saying to us, it is these simple, simple things that create contentment and satisfaction. So what did Brene Brown said? It is the daily intentional expression of gratitude that brings joy. Now go back to my slide. Why does grumpiness have more influence than gratitude? Because we don't intentionally practice gratitude. How many of us, self-inspection, at the end of the day, rehearse all the ways that our God has been faithful or gracious or kind or present in small, simple ways. Are you following me okay? All right, all right. Let me go on now. Let me take you now to the next slide, five and six. And I want to transition just a little bit. So how is it that we practice this intentional gratitude? We want to be a people of holy noticing. So Lane and I are doing a lot of reading on neuroscience and brain research. And what's interesting to me is 
People who, who grow in gratitude are people who are practicing what is called mindfulness, holy noticing. So if, 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 if remember, I'm old and I'm a 40-year preacher, but when I can walk into settings, all kinds of settings, I can walk into settings, and people know I'm a preacher, I can look in people's eyes and pretty quickly, pretty quickly, something can be expressed through the eyes that speaks to the heart. And pretty quickly, in, in just looking at it, so may I use you, Lyle? Lyle had open heart surgery not long ago. I remember one Sunday morning, he and I were standing together, and as I was looking at him, and he was talking about what was to come with open heart surgery, there was a movement in our hearts together in that moment right here because I was noticing, I was noticing, I was mindful that soon his chest will be opened and his heart will be on the table. What if in the course of a day we practice holy noticing? When we look at people, we actually see people, and we say, Holy Spirit, help me to see as you see. Last week, Sunday, there was someone who was waiting for me, and I had, had a number of people to talk to. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see someone waiting. And, and then when I had opportunity, we looked at each other across the room, and I knew we needed to talk, we could talk. But what I observed is, this person noticed me, and I noticed that person. And we came together, and we shared mo tender moments because of holy noticing. Holy noticing for the purpose of gratitude. So today, or tomorrow, whenever you have your gatherings, would you be willing to say, Holy Spirit, help me to notice. Help me to see what you are seeing. Let my ears, eyes become yours, your ears become yours. So, the next slide. This is what I mean by holy noticing. It's a decision to bring an intentional awareness to who and what are all around us. To be grateful for the moments, the simple gifts, and the neighbors God gives us to enjoy. And for our guests, I've been using the idea of neighbors to be about 30 people with whom we have the closest relationship. So I'll give you an example of this. After the service, I'm going to pray with someone. And as I was walking down the stairs to quickly use the bathroom before I came up in, to be a decision to be intentionally aware to who and what are around us, to be grateful for the moments, the simple gifts, and the neighbors God gives me. So I am mindful of someone I'm going to spend a few minutes with. And as I was walking up the stairs in the back, I was quickened that I have saved something for this person who I've not seen for probably more than a year, maybe two years. I notice, so what I'm trying to do is model this. I'm mindful, I noticed someone before the service. We chatted, we're gonna chat afterwards. And the Holy Spirit prompted me that this person has something I have saved that I had forgotten about. And when we get together to talk, I'm going to be able to look in someone's eyes, make a deeper connection, because I've been praying for this person and I have gratitude for who this person is. Do you understand? Do you see how this is all working? 
This is all just the how the Holy Spirit just brings pieces together. But I'm grateful because I'm mindful and I'm noticing. So let's, let, me, let me show you this now by using a psalm, okay? We're going to go to Psalm, oh, let's go Psalm 100. Thank you, thank you, Sherry. We're going to just go through this psalm relatively quickly. So I'm, let me read it as is, and then I'm going to break it down for you and, and, and say, now, what would this have to do with holy noticing moving to gratitude? So Psalm 100. The text reads, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now, let me just take you through this note. Did you notice all the verbs? The ver- there are seven imperative verbs. Imperatives mean do this, this, do th-. There are seven of them. Look at them. Verse one, shout for joy. That's a, in the Hebrew, <laughs> I get to a great story. That's a battle cry. Shout for joy is a euphemism for a battle cry. So when the people of Israel, so do you know the story about when the walls of Jericho fell down? You know the story I'm talking about? Real quickly. The people of Israel were in a, in a battle. The Lord instructed them something really stupid. They walked around this build, this huge this city, however big it was, for six consecutive days. And they did it in silence. On the seventh day, the Lord said to them, I want you to shout. That's the word here. Shout, shout. And what happened when those people shouted, the walls of the place collapsed. Now, you know how sound works, crazy sound works. You, you know stories like this. I can't remember what football team it was in a particular stadium. They played a song, and the decibels of the song and the pitch and frequency caused the walls to begin to crumble. So what happened at Jericho? The people shouted. Thousands of people shouted, shout for joy to the Lord, and the walls fell down. That's the first part of this psalm. It's a battle cry. Shout for joy. Well, why? Let's go on. Second verb, worship. Come to the Lord to kiss. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him. Here's the third verb. Come before him with joyful songs. Verse 3 Know, to know deeply, intimately, with strong connection that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. Here's the fifth one. Verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go on in and his courts with praise. Here's the sixth, give thanks. And here's the seventh, praise. Here are the imperative verbs. Shout for joy, worship, come before him. Know, enter, give thanks and praise. Why? What does this have to do with gratitude? The answer is found in verse 3 and verse 5. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. That is what's called covenant language. So can I remind you what a covenant is? For our guests, perhaps you don't know. In the Old Testament, when God, the people of Israel make a covenant, 
you cut an animal into pieces. You dug a trench, and you put trench, small little trenches, and pieces of the animal on each side, and the blood rolled into the middle trench. When you cut a covenant, that was a phrase, cut a covenant, you walked through the blood. And the other person walked through the blood. And you took it and you put it on each other and you said, you can do to me what I just did to these animals if I do not keep my covenant with you. Verse 3 is God saying, I will be your shepherd. He made a covenant with Israel and the reason they shout for joy and they praise is because God says, I will be your shepherd. Now, let me just stop for a second. Reasons for gratitude. If we, could, if we could, and we had time, if I asked every one of us to just share, could you give one time in this past year when you experienced the shepherd heart of God for you? Buck, can I talk about you? Buck was coming back last week Saturday from uh, hunting, I believe. I was coming across the mile-long bridge by Knoxville. And a difficult situation arose, and a young man driving 108 miles an hour hit Buck on the mile-long bridge. You think the Kraft family today is going to give thanks to the Lord for his faithful shepherd, covenant-keeping love? Absolutely. Jane said to me, we work with Jane, and Jane said, she came in earlier this week, she said, we could be at the funeral home planning my husband's funeral. Now, let's just pull back. No matter how our year has been, how many of us, could all of us be able to give an expression of a time when the good shepherd was the good shepherd for you, personally, for you? And that's why we shout for joy. That's why we give praise, because God keeps his covenant. So, well, you know what? I had a tough year, and I don't want to minimize tough years. But can I just, as a preacher of the gospel, can I just remember, remind you, you are going to live just a few decades at most on this planet. You're going to be here at max. Actuary people tell me I'm going to live to be 96. That means I have... 29 years to go, and then I'm gone. 96 days, and I'm gone. And then where do we go? Where do we go? And all through the book of Ecclesiastes, he keeps talking about judgment. What's to come? And I said this to our congregation. Hear this, everybody. If you're a follower of Jesus, the day Jesus returns as the king is going to be the best day of your life. He's going to come back and make all things right. You're going to go, you will shout for joy after you get off your face. After you're, oh my goodness, it's going to be, whoa. It's true. The king has returned to make all things right. The sufferings of this life cannot compare with the glories that will be revealed. We got to hold on to that. Amen? We got to hold on to that. We hold on to that. So we shout for joy because our shepherd keeps his covenant. But there's a second one. Look at verse 5. It says, for the Lord is good, and the word love is hesed. His steadfast love endures forever. 
His faithfulness continues through all generations. We give thanks because he keeps his covenant of love. So let's say Buck did die. And next week we have a funeral. We would grieve Buck's death. But in the words of St. Paul, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. We know what the future holds. Amen? We're not afraid of the future. And therefore, because God keeps his covenants of love with us, we can give thanks. How about this? May I have um, slide 12, please? Could we just take a moment now, and could I invite you, if you're comfortable, if you're willing, could you look at those two questions? We'll take, like, we'll take four minutes. Could you answer either one of those questions with someone you sit by? If you don't know someone, just introduce yourself and let's give it a shot. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to. But could we just fill this room with personal reasons for gratitude? On your marks, get set, go. Okay, thank you very much for sharing. Thank you for filling the room with gratitude. Let's try to tie this together. Here's a brief video clip that brings the fullness of gratitude and ends with Jesus. And following that, we have two songs that just conclude our service of gratitude. Would you please watch? When we step back and take a look at this world, we see beauty. We see tall mountains that reach the highest altitudes. We see great bodies of water that cover most of Earth's unsearched surface. We see deep valleys that divide one mountain from another. We see man-made inventions that are results of hard work and creativity. Above all, we see people. The most beautiful of all creation, people. Yet with all this beauty in the world, we still see great sadness, vast hatred, constant war, abundant evil, unexplainable pain, poverty, division, terrorism, and oppression. What is there to be thankful for? We can be thankful for our health, family, friendships, freedom, home, education, clean water, food, and employment. But what about those that don't have these things? What can they be thankful for? And what if all these things we have today were taken away from us? What then would we be thankful for? Is our thankfulness based on what we have here on earth? Or is it based on something much greater than ourselves? Something eternal? Something that you don't lose when you die, but you gain. Something that cannot be taken from you because it goes on forever. Your life. That God crafted out of the love and goodness of his heart and wrapped it in a perfect and eternal purpose. That can't be compared to the pain experienced in our earthly bodies nor matched to the beauty we see in this world. We can be thankful for the breath of life that makes us the living beings we are 
that we don't just walk the surface of this planet aimlessly with nothing to look forward to. But we exist to forever experience over and over again the grace, love, and joy of our Creator, Jesus Christ. Let's be thankful for everything we have here on earth, but above all, be thankful for our salvation and for what is yet to come. So I'd like to include, include like this. I've, I've crafted a prayer. It's four slides, not lots of words. I like, I'm going to read it through to you, with you, and then ask if you would join. Let's all pray it together. And then we're going to sing the hymn of heaven, which really t connects to the video we just saw. And we'll end with a doxology. So can I, can I have slides 8, 9, 10, 11? This is the prayer that I've crafted. In a moment, if you would read it with me. Let me read it to you first. And if you can and you wish, I invite you to join. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us so deeply, so generously, so kindly. Thank you for the price paid for our lives. Thank you for ransoming us from slavery to evil, to bondage, and to sin. Thank you for protecting us from ourselves and from our sinful desires. Thank you for the neighbors you give us to enjoy. Thank you for watching over us each day and each night. Thank you for being our creator, our savior, and friend. We honor you, we express our gratitude, and we thank you. Next slide. We thank you, God, for your presence in the storms of this past year. We thank you for your promises fulfilled. We thank you for deliverance from evil and the evil one. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your constancy. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that grace and truth reach from heaven to earth. We thank you. So let's go back. Slides 8, 9, 10, 11. There's a couple little typos there, so we'll figure it out as we go. But if you're willing, if you're able, would you pray with me, please, out loud? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us so deeply, so generously, so kindly. Thank you for the price paid for our lives. Thank you for ransoming us from slavery to evil, bondage, and sin. Thank you for protecting us from our neighbors and our, and our sinful desires. Stop. Next slide, please. Thank you for watching over us each day and each night. Thank you for being our creator, savior, and friend. We honor you. We express our good. We thank you. Stop. Next slide. We thank you, God, for your presence in the storms of this past year. We thank you for promises fulfilled. We thank you for deliverance from evil and the evil one. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your constancy. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that grace and truth reach from heaven to earth. We thank you. Would you please stand and sing the hymn of heaven?